Welcome back to the Able Lifestyle Podcast. Today's guest I have with me, Tom Hawkins. How are you, my friend? I'm good, thank you. How about you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for coming on today. You're the person I wanted to get on because this podcast is obviously a self-help podcast, but although we all do have like a, a backstory with a lot of us been through a lot of hardships, the kind of people I want to get on are people like you because you're very inspiring. You're also looking to do something positive off of the back of all your sort of trauma and all the things you've been through. And you are certainly someone that has inspired me in the past. We're going on to your sort of running and your fitness after and your ultra marathon and stuff. But I've seen you out running like stupid distances before. And I was like, this guy is really inspiring and you're a really positive character. And every time we sort of talk and chat, you're always a really bubbly and positive guy. So this is the reason why I wanted to get you on. I know this episode, a lot of people are calling out for this and I don't think they understand or realize that they need this. However, I know that you're going to have a massive impact. So yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Well, first, I just want to say thank you for having me on. Um, obviously, I've listened to all of your podcasts uh, that you've put out so far, and I think they've been amazing. Um, truly, honestly, amazing. Um, some real sort of, you know, touching stories. Um, but yeah, I listen to them all day at work. And, you know, it, it gets me through the day. It gives me advice. It helps me out. Um, so yeah, I just want to say what you're doing is amazing. And uh great work i appreciate that my friend honestly it does mean the world to me to hear that from yourself um before we sort of get into things i just want to like put out like a trigger warning almost because it can this conversation today will be quite deep and will be quite tough listen at times however these conversations although they aren't easy they are needed and through this podcast we're breaking stigmas and we're having these conversations to try and help people live an able lifestyle as we say um so what sort of wanted to get into where everything began for you what you were like growing up as a kid so what were you like as a child and then what were you like as a teenager because i want to really get to know who tom hawkins is yeah so i guess growing up i've always been i guess that middle guy the average guy the guy who isn't amazing at stuff but isn't bad at stuff you know you just sort of float by you know no one really notices you, you go on the radar a little bit um so yeah that's sort of as a as a child um growing up as a teenager not much a change really um still just you know that guy fairly average um you know i sort of i had my friends i didn't have no friends i didn't have loads of friends i just had my friends um you know a friend group you're just um, sort of an, an everyday kid just kicking by just minding his own business yeah, just yeah you know just get getting on with it every day cracking on with it Pretty talking much. about friends what were your friends like what was your support network growing up what, um, what were they like yeah good so uh i mean my best friend of oh, how long now it must have been about 18 19 years since i moved to salisbury uh rob nichols sort of growing up with him a lot um yeah we used to sort of spend every weekend together we used to go down to victoria park play hide and seek we used to you know build stuff um you know very hands-on that was a good friendship um he lives in bournemouth now so we don't see like, each other as often um but yeah he's always sort of been there for me um and then yeah i had my sort of select pocket um i would say probably the people that i was friends with at school um sort of drifted away from them um just sort of naturally yeah um, happens done it over yeah, time yeah and uh, sort of my new sort of established friend group are people that i met at college and uh sort of that group all went to sort of downtown trafalgar school so um but yeah they're the sort of people that i sort of speak to now um but in terms of sort of network and friendships they're all amazing really good really positive people yeah, good to have around absolutely what was your sort of school experience how did you find school growing up any challenges at all did you enjoy school at all um i don't think i really did enjoy school to be honest um why is that then i think for me i found it hard to sort of focus a lot 
I'm uh, not really the type of person, even today, I can't sort of work behind a desk. I can't do an office job. Quite active. Um, yeah, I'm quite active. I need to be hands-on. I need to be sort of doing stuff. I need to be focused or sort of I need to, you know, be sort of, you know, just, just up and about really. Quite quite an active person and uh, can't really sit down. Something's always yeah. got to be going on. That's it, yeah. Yeah. And that does explain a lot to me, to be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah. What sort of hopes and aspirations did you have growing up as a kid? Did you have any any dream job or any I, I thing you wanted? Any really dream have car? A dream job. Um I used to always really want a Subaru Japanese racing car. I think up. I think we all did growing <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah, let's be honest. Um, that was the car for me. But yeah, in terms of job, no. I think I just wanted to be actually I guess I always wanted to, like a part of me wanted to be like an actor. Um, okay so interesting going to acting um you know make loads of money be the next brad pitt yeah um, the good looking guy all yeah, the money yeah, all the girls yeah exactly yeah, so yeah. That, that was that was me growing up so yeah it was never really like the destination final destination for me was never really um you know sort of be an astronaut or you know be like a ceo of a bank or whatever it, yeah, of yeah course. it was more just like you know more i guess um creative yeah and the thing is a lot of people when they're growing up and even now they're like i have to get this job i have to get more money and the focus is solely career driven and i'm not saying that's a bad thing however i do think there's two aspects to this so you've got the career drive and the career growth and you've also got the personal growth and i think sometimes people dabble too much in the career growth and not enough in the personal which again is something for you I know you're quite successful in your sort of line of work at the minute. However, as well, you're in the personal growth as well. So you're getting best of both sides, which is why it's really interesting to sort of break this down, break your character down and find out who you really are. So what the big topic is going to be today is all going to be about, well, I'll let you get into it, actually. Do you want to tell us sort of your story, your hard hitting bit and the reason why I wanted to get you on today? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so my story, so it's uh, to do with mental health um, and also suicide. Um, so growing up as a kid, I never really suffered with bad mental health. Um, Was it you didn't suffer with bad mental health or were you just not aware of it? I think I just didn't suffer with it. I okay. wasn't aware of it. I was quite a happy person growing up. Um, so there was no sort of triggers. You're just an everyday kid, just going yeah. by life and enjoying yeah. it. That's it. Interesting. Yeah. And I think uh, the day where that changed was in my second year of uni. Okay. Um, so what did you um, study at uni? So I did uh, creative media practice. Okay. Um, so it was television, film, installation, art pieces. To go with the whole Brad Pitt vice. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I was still going on that mission. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. So I went to uh, Westminster Uni in okay. London. Um, and yeah, it really, it really started to hit hard second year. And I think that was because um, I, I guess I went through that sort of, the uni depression that quite a lot of people might get. I suppose um, it's that partying all the time, like so many highs. Yeah. And then when that sort of stops or starts to come to a halt and your work starts to take over, that change of dopamine hit stopping coming. Yeah, absolutely. It hits a, a lot harder than it would for the sort of everyday Joe. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And um, so I spent a good three months just, I just would stay in my room in London, um, wouldn't go out. Um, I wouldn't even do my uni work. I was just sort of in a sort of state where I just sort of, I had a laptop and I just watched programs, didn't do anything. Would you say you were very isolated at this point? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Any friendships as such? Any sort of connections around you at all? Yeah. Um, were so you I, a social person throughout this time? 
Yeah, so at the time I was with my ex-girlfriend, um, so I'd sort of see her every other weekend or every weekend. Um, I was also, I had sort of good friends around me in London, um, so um, don't really speak to much of them anymore, um, apart from apart from one, but he now lives in Canada. Oh, wow. Um, so, Tough time zone mix. Yeah. 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 We've got so, a couple of Canadian listeners, actually, yeah, so um, yeah. hopefully it might reach out there. <laughs> <laughs> so sort of, you say about you struggled through uni. When did it start to really sort of take a, a turn, start to deteriorate and get worse? And because I want you to sort of tell your end of the story mm-hmm. so then we can sort of delve deep into why you felt like that, yeah. triggers and things we can sort of do going forward as as people to try and reduce the chance of us feeling like this and hopefully mm-hmm. not come to obviously your story that you're going to come on to in a second yeah absolutely um so yeah uni happened i ended up moving back home with my parents um and sort of dropping out of uni um so mental health then got better from there um being back at home being back in salisbury being around the sort of larger wider friend group so uni dropout didn't affect you at all negatively it was more of a relief and more of a like a yeah I guess a part of me was upset because I know that my mum was very upset about me dropping out of uni it's a lot of pressure Um, for a kid to have expectations from parents sometimes they like to live their own dream through their their children and it's it's a well-known thing not just sort of your own parents but yeah yeah absolutely um so yeah moved back in with my parents and then all sort of really got back to normal um, okay. so I, you know, I, I felt happier in myself. I guess I was just sort of surrounded by people. I got a job again, so I had money at uni. I didn't have money. Why did so. you think uni didn't work out for you? What do you reckon it was? Do you have any understanding why that um, life yeah. wasn't for you? So I enjoy, even still to this day, I enjoy creating projects. So I enjoy making videos. I enjoy taking pictures. Um, from time to time, I do freelance stuff. Nice. So sort of, like, yeah, make videos for money. Um, and I think being at uni, that um, it killed the sort of the drive, the want to do that. Um, when you're being told what you have to do, you have to do it in a certain way, you have to do it like that, like this, then for me, that was a bit of a killer. You I don't started really to fall have, out of love. You don't really have that express yourself sort of yeah. motto and that mantra to really find who you are as a sort of creative person. Yeah. And you're very much... Because a book isn't necessarily the right way as such. It might guide you down a better path. However, it doesn't actually let you put your spin on it. Yeah. So I can imagine that very much sort of change your personality which would then lead on to the sort of mental health deterioration which would make a lot of sense yeah absolutely yeah it's it's interesting to sort of just talk about these things and just to understand why and probably good for you to reflect on actually of why Mm -hmm. these things didn't work out and some people might look at dropouts go oh you know it's not good it's not yeah why you're not successful for like why did you not stick it out and it's just like who's to say that's the best thing for this person at this moment in time Mm -hmm. and or for their life yeah absolutely there's a lot of stigmas that you have to you know study this go through the whole school system and then go to uni yeah i mean okay a lot of people are successful from uni i'm not trying to slate them at all yeah, yeah. but however it's not for everyone and it, that doesn't necessarily deem success for those sort of people so yeah you move back to salisbury yeah everything's sort of all good again yeah all of all fine um you know then ended up splitting up with my ex um and you know i sort of single for about a year um i think in that time um in that year i was just going out a lot um, drinking, I think probably without realizing that probably had a bad impact on my mental health. Um, 
you know, I sort of got into my overdraft just because I wanted to go out. Yeah, I didn't have any money. Well, it's like, well, I've got £500 overdraft, but might I've well got zero pounds. Up. Might as well, you know, that's my money, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so going out a lot. Um, and then, yeah, and then sort of ended up then getting with um, going out with Sophie. So met Sophie um, through work um, okay. at Vision Express. Um, and, yeah, sort of started out just sort of friends thought nothing of it for you know it was just and then you know it was, it was a sort of almost a love story how we got together um and yeah we've netflix been special now. loading <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely um so yeah we've been together it'll be five years in february oh wow um so yeah coming up to that five year mark now um so yeah and then as we sort of progress into the relationship all was fine um how and, is your how, how are you during this time like how is your sort of mental health? Because you said yeah. you broke up with your ex. Did that have an impact on you at all? Like negatively, you then went into the party lifestyle of just going, oh, screw it, I'm going to go out and yeah. get on the piss. Yeah, so I don't want to talk about how me and my ex split up, but the sort of what happened as a result of that made me go into sort of like a very overthinking sort of mindset. Yeah. Um, so I sort of lost trust, um, didn't want to go into a relationship. And I'd say in some ways it's probably affected sort of my current relationship as well. Okay. Um, just due to overthinking, trust issues, it's stuff that I know I have to address. Um, and, you know, there was sort of tough times at the start of the relationship um, with so me and something... Sophie where I was sort of still trying to sort of get over it. So you're sort of still trying to learn now, but you're, at least you're aware of it because a lot of yeah. people will come into relationships not fixed as such. Yeah. But they won't try and do anything about that. They'll just come with a load of baggage and yeah. they'll just throw it on the other person and just go, oh, it's just who I am. Yeah. I, I, it's what it is. Whereas these, you're going, okay, I've got these issues from previous relationship. I'm going to work on them with you to try and help benefit our relationship. And I think it's a real sort of admirable thing for you to do in your relationship so it doesn't affect it yeah. negatively. Yeah, absolutely. So um, where did the point come to where you start to get towards your worst day? What was the sort of triggers where you start to lead we did this party lifestyle when you met sophie carry on and continue no no so all throughout my relationships like going out just stops i think since go, sort of being with sophie in the last five years i've probably been you know out on a night out i've probably been to the chapel twice maybe three times yeah. so it doesn't happen often when i'm when i'm sort of uh, with someone um have a quite a positive effect on you then yeah yeah absolutely would you say relationships add value to your life I'd say do you, so. Do yeah. you rely on the person quite heavily at all? I don't rely on the person. I feel like I'm quite strong and independent in myself. Um, but I do get sort of comfort knowing that, you know, I've got someone to go home to, got someone to see at the weekends, you know, do nice things. Um, so, yeah, that's a big sort of big plus. Yeah, it's good that you've got that mindset where this person makes you happier and isn't your sole sort of purpose and reason. Yeah. Because a lot of people will rely on relationships and... Yeah. Something you could have, you know, had a negative effect coming out of your last relationship going, yeah, I'm single now. Now what? Like you can't sit within your own self and be by yeah. yourself, but it's good that you've got that individual drive and identity and this person yeah. comes into your life and brings the best out of you. Absolutely. I, I like, I, I used to think in a relationship, it's all about you give half, they give half and it's sort of 50, 50. Um, but what I've sort of come to learn is that instead of that, it's you give a hundred, they give a hundred. 
Wow. And then you just sort of live together being your full selves, you know, sort of they're part of your life, you're part of their life. And, you know, you don't give up you for them and they don't give up them for you. I've, um, I've never heard anyone say that before. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? I absolutely love that. Yeah. I'm going to start using that. So if you hear this on the <laughs> yeah. podcast again, you know exactly where this is stemmed from. So um, started being with Sophie. Things were all yeah. good. Things Think- were really good. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so sort of um, to go back to your question earlier with sort of what led up to sort of that darkest day. So uh, I guess what ended up happening was overthinking um nothing to do with relationships but more to do with self-comparing um so there's a whole a whole stem a whole sort of range of things that led up to that moment so one of them was overthinking comparing myself to my friends um so i'm 28 now at the time i was 27 um you know i've got friends that you know, on the property ladder, they drive nice cars, they have nice jobs, you know, they earn a lot of money. They've got all the sort of material things yeah. that a lot of people look for. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I was comparing that to myself. And then at the time I was, you know, I was working in a job that was, you know, sort of minimum wage, as uh, Dom said when um, on the pod. Um, so me and him worked at World of Furniture together. Yep. So me and him worked there together. So as he said, you know, the money wasn't great. It was sort of, it'll get you by, but it wouldn't really pay all the bills and let you live like a lavish sort of lifestyle, or yeah. e- even comfortably, not lavish maybe. Um, so yeah, so I was comparing myself to a lot of people. And as a result of that, I ended up leaving World of Furniture in August to go work at a bank. Um as I said to you earlier, the whole sitting behind a desk bank sort of lifestyle is not for me. I quickly realized that um, about eight weeks into being there. Um, so I sort of just sort of quit and left my job. Um, I then reached out to a friend who worked at a car garage in Salisbury and he managed to put me in contact with the service advisor manager. I spoke with him. He then ended up getting me a job as a, um, as a service advisor again that was uh you know an office job you know it's sort of it's not really suiting your personality and yeah. not really getting the best out of you and yeah i suppose at this time you keep jumping jobs and you're searching for something but you don't know what mm-hmm. and it's a real uncertain time and the yeah. unknown's a worse thing at times for a lot of people yeah. no one likes it because it anything could happen it's the unpredictability mm-hmm. and for you to try and find the right job mm-hmm. and you compare it to your mates they're yeah. in well-paid jobs that are yeah. settled down as such. And you're like, did you ever get that? Why Why not me? Why am I not getting that? Yeah. Yeah, I did a lot. Did you yeah. ever compare on social media at all? Did you like follow like influencers? Did you? No. So probably about um, a year prior, then I actually unfollowed a lot of people on social media, like the, you know, the, the Love Islanders, the, you know, the sort of the social media influences, you know, the people with big presences, um, yeah, I unfollowed all of them just because I knew that it wasn't healthy for me because I'd see someone going on Love Island who's 22, you know, kudos to them. They've done great and they've, you know, they've got brand deals and they're making millions and it's like, yeah, so that that was toxic for me. So I did unfollow, you know, a lot of people. You're then. also thinking also, like, why not me? Like, yeah. Wh- yeah. Wh- where's my break? Like, yeah. I'm not being funny, but you've gone on there just an everyday Joe and now you're making a million. Yeah. And why do you get that break of luck? And it's yeah. interesting to hear you say this because a lot of people on their Instagram, they'll follow like a 1500 people, mm-hmm. 800 of them. They don't know. Yeah. And yeah. like you say, why? 
I think now who I follow on Instagram are my sort of main friend groups, maybe some people that I've drifted away from, but, you know, I'm still sort of interested or sort of care about them, sort of, you know, would like to know, you know, what they're doing in their life. Um, and then I follow people like, I don't even know who Ross Edley is, um, absolute legend. He's um, some guy, um, he does like crazy challenges like he swam around the whole of uh the uk that's where he um, like that's a guy that the tongue yeah where he like slit him. his basically whole tongue because yeah. the salt water for yeah. such a long time yeah so i follow people like him where they've got such energy and you know they've got you know sort of motivation and drive and they don't sort of flash money in your face they flash you know sort of progression and sort of happiness and sort of you know good good energy it's so. like an inspiration and it's like yeah. i follow people like chris bumstead they're very yeah. like open yeah. they're they're yeah. um authentic and although i don't know these people directly i always take inspiration from them and they've got something that i'm like oh i aspire to be like that not necessarily like okay yeah he's got the biggest biceps in the world great that would be nice but i'm following him for his sort of personality i'd say and my instagram is very sort of closed off of who i follow like if I follow people, it's because I'm like, okay, I want to either A, see you do well or B, I take inspiration from you. And I think mm -hmm. what we see on social media is I think people underappreciate just how important it is of what yeah. we see on social media because I don't know about you, but we spend a lot of time on our phones and a lot oh, yeah. of time on social media, yeah. doom scrolling. I'm guilty of it and it's something I'm trying to work on myself at the minute and something that's sort of taking away valuable minutes during the day in a very busy and chaotic life. So I think raising that point is very important. I'm glad you've sort of brought that to the pod. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, get to this point of your the service advisor. Yeah, so that and then sort of that stand work, worked there, uh, wasn't for me. Um, and then to sort of rewind, um, another thing that sort of impacted to get to Doomsday um, was, um, so I developed a gambling addiction. Okay, um, how did that sort of... So it stems, okay. I didn't even realize that it was happening at first. So I played this online game and on this online game, you can buy currency on the game and then you can then gamble the currency on the game. So what would happen is I'll get my paycheck at the, you know, end of the month and then I'll be like, okay, I've got this much money. So I'm going to buy this much gold on the game, gamble it, lose it. Be like, okay, well, I've got this much money left. So if I work it out, budget, budget, I've got, you know, 300 pounds left a week to spend. Yeah. So I can afford to spend another 200 pounds and then I'll do it and then I'd lose it. And what sort of gradually happened over the course of probably about a year and a half was I eventually applied for an overdraft. I was sending my overdraft each month, um, then got a credit card um sort of managed to run up a bit of money on that credit card so i thought okay uh maybe i need to get a loan out pay off the credit card and then just sort of pay off the loan slowly and you know that'll be done with it would get a loan and then you know then you know a month or two later i've still got a loan and i've got another thousand pounds on the credit card um and it got to the point where i ran up to about eight thousand pounds in debt so that was through credit card and loans and overdraft um and like i said at the time i didn't realize you know it was it was so it happened so slowly over the course of a year and a half it wasn't like i just you know had loads of money and just like took out a loan went to casino put it all in red and it was done and you know it's like it happened so slowly it was that slow deterioration where you don't realize yeah. these things are happening like yeah five pounds gone ten yeah. pounds is gone and it's like then it slowly builds up to like a hundred pounds exactly and then it yeah do you reckon this yeah. stemmed from your 
when you split up with your partner, that sort of partying life, do you reckon that had something to lead to this gambling as such? I don't think so. I think it was more to do with the fact that it was more sort of comparing it to the comparing myself to others. So seeing them with lots of money and, you know, buying a new car, getting a new house. And Were you like, chasing that money? Were you chasing yeah. that? I want to have like this 10 grand and then it's that. Oh, I can go buy a car off of that. Yeah, oh, I can I mean, then get I, a house. I guess it was the endorphins. It was when I was sort of winning on the game and making money. I was like, oh, this is great. And like there was points where sometimes I had so much money on this game that if I was to sell it for a real life value, I could have made 15, 20,000. Um, but you, you never keep it. Um, you know, that's the one thing of gambling is that, you know, you, you have your highs, but you have your lows as well. And let me tell you, the lows are not worth the highs that you get at all. It's um, high risk, high reward. But yeah when that high re- does that high reward ever come and yeah you, you're gambling on something that might never be yeah so exactly. it's a it's a very dangerous and I, i've betted before not to your extent as such but mm-hmm. i can appreciate just how quickly that five yeah. and ten pounds can turn into 25 30 pounds for a, a night yeah. and then that can i looked at my, my account once and i was like wow i can't believe i actually spent that much yeah. just over like four months of just consistently putting five and tens on. Yeah, yeah, it can happen. And I think for me, um, I was, you know, I'd, I'd go a month and sort of spend maybe £800 on this game. And then I'd, you know, be left with, you know, minus 200 in my overdraft. And then, you know, a, a few months later, to me, that'll be the norm. Oh, that's just how much money I've got at the moment. Like, you know, and then it would then happen again. And then I'll go to minus £1,000. And it's like, well after a while my brain just sort of adjusted and thought well that's just how much money I've got so and then it would happen again and like I wasn't sort of seeing the bigger picture of you know over the last six months you spent six thousand pounds it was you know the sort of the little steps um so yeah that was that was a big factor that that affected my mental health a lot because you're in a place of uncertainty and also you're looking at your bank account every day and it's it's straight away it's negative it's not Payday will come and it'll be negative, you know, after paying my loans off, my credit card. Um, You're living for something that might never happen. You're always chasing. You're always Mm -hmm. after that next dopamine hit. Yeah. And it's a very dangerous world where you're not necessarily appreciating what you've got currently. You're always searching for the next best thing. And it's quite, it spirals because people almost go, I'll be happy when I've got this. They get this thing. So go, oh, I'll be happy when I get a car. They get their car and they're like, I'll be happy when I get the house. Mm-hmm. They get the house and they're always chasing this happiness yeah. and this dopamine hit mm-hmm. and actually going, you want your dream car and you've got it. Like, why are you, why are you not loving that still? Yeah. And sometimes we need to look at where we've come from mm-hmm. and what we've got. And yeah, it's good to look in the future and see what goals we need to reach and things we want to do. But we also need to appreciate just where we've come from and the background we've come and for all the hardships we've been through. Yeah. Because say you had three, four grand in debt and then suddenly you cleared that suddenly it should be oh i've come from you know minus four pound i like that's such a win yeah but obviously you're chasing the next high and it Mm. spirals and it spirals how so your mental health was in a real tough place at this point yeah so it was it was the sort of the mixture of um yeah being in being in debt and having financial pressures um and then on the flip side comparing to myself to all my friends that you know had money had cars had houses you know they were sort of going away on nice holidays you did, know did it affect sort of your masculinity and the ego as such and also having a partner did that mm. added responsibility and pressure of you know you have to be your provider for your partner as such did that really kick in and have a negative effect as well i guess so yeah i mean 
Sophie, she's always been the sort of breadwinner in our relationship. She, you know, I'm so proud of her. She has a job that's amazing. She earns a lot of money. Um, so I guess there was never really a sense of I had to be the sort of the take home guy. I had to, you know, get a job that made, you know, made me money more than her or whatever. Um, so I, I guess there was never really a financial pressure in the relationship. Um, but at the same time, it did affect our relationship because there would be days where she'd want to go out somewhere um you know go to a stately home um just go shopping and i'd be like oh, sorry can't can't do it i haven't got enough money like you know i'm a bit tight until payday and a day before that i would have spent 200 pounds on the game so it's like she's almost looking at it like okay you're spending all this money on this game yeah. why are you not spending this yeah. on me or spending on yeah. the day well, out at with the time me? she didn't actually know so she didn't know about any of this debt that was occurring okay um were you almost is, ashamed or embarrassed to tell yeah, her yeah so i pretty much no one knew it was just me in my own head and i think that's why the pressures got so much just because i i didn't share it with anyone um as they say a, a problem shared is a problem solved yeah. nine yeah times out of 10 absolutely so when you've got that added yeah sitting in, and like you say with a sitting behind a desk mm. you're in your own head all the time because you're yeah. looking for something to do yeah. and then you've got all this added pressure as well and you're just like i can imagine your brain was just going into overdrive and you're overthinking as well yeah and it just i suppose it's just an upward spiral of just every day is climbing snowden yeah yeah literally it felt like i was you know i, I felt like i was swimming upstream and every every stroke that i did i went backwards a meter like that that's what it felt like i felt like i was getting nowhere almost like one step forward four steps back yeah. and it was just sort of an endless cycle of a vicious cycle of just repeat rinse and repeat pretty much yeah, absolutely. so all this sort of debt started to add up and yeah gamble up and yeah just the relationship was being affected negatively yeah did yeah. it then so it was affecting sophie's mental health as well um you know i was feeling down and depressed um and then as a result of that sophie would then get down and depressed at the time we were living together so we lived in a one-bedroom flat so it wasn't the biggest places um so you know there wouldn't really be opportunity to you know if we need, we need to spend a bit of time apart from each other we couldn't just go into another room because there wasn't enough room so yeah um so yeah sophie's mental health did get affected by it um I guess I was sort of draining her sort of down slowly without even really realizing I was doing it. Um, so, you know, and sort of reflecting on that now, like I, I hate, hate the fact that I did that. Um, I think it takes a, a real strong and a strong person, I'd say to understand and appreciate that and to say that out loud as well. Yeah. Cause a lot of us would have just sort of been in denial and been like, Oh, it's just, you know, tough time is what it is but for you to say that it takes a lot of courage yeah that's probably the word the best word i'm actually looking for is it's very courageous you to say that yeah thank you so um you started to add all this sort of money up and yeah. you weren't doing days out and your mental health and negative uh, sophie's was deteriorating yeah sort of um yeah then the escalation did it just continue getting worse and did you sort of how did you feel during this time did you, was there a sense of like hopelessness Almost, yeah. I, you know, sort of reflecting back on that kid I was growing up. I want to be a famous rich actor. I want to have loads of money. And then comparing myself, 27 years old, £8,000 in debt, not on the property ladder, you know, just sort of all of that was sort of adding up and amounting to just so much. I guess I felt almost ashamed of myself. Um, I felt like I wasn't doing what I should do as a boyfriend as a person as a son 
yeah, I, I just felt like I, I didn't have it figured out. How are your friends with you at this point? Uh, yeah, they're okay. A lot of them didn't know about anything. As I said, like I kept pretty much all of it to myself. Um, Do you think if you sort of spoke to someone, it would have alleviated your pressures and you could have potentially gotten help and it wouldn't have escalated near as bad as what it did? Yeah, absolutely. Do yeah. you think just even consoling a friend and just going, look, I've got these money issues, yeah. I need help. Yeah. Do you reckon they would have? the biggest thing that you can do if you're sort of going through bad depression or mental health is speak to somebody. Um, not all the time you're going to want to speak to somebody about what you're going through. But as you said earlier, the problem shared, you know, is a problem solved or problem halved. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's so important because you can get, you know, when, when you're in this sort of rut of, thinking in a negative way then you can't see from different angles so you can't see you know if I had someone to speak to to tell me you know well you might be in eight thousand pounds debt but you know there's you know people that you can speak to and they could be like well you could set up a payment plan you could do this and that xyz you know and you can you know be back on track within a year within a year and a half it might be sort of a little while of grueling and you know not having much money to pay off the money but you're going to get there how was your sort of lifestyle during this time because i know you said you're in a thousands of pounds worth of debt what was your sleep like were you exercising at all were you drinking smoking um, Are you sociable at all sleep was okay um i've always been a bit of a night owl anyway yeah so i'd sort of go to bed at midnight and wake up at sort of seven in the morning and that would do me fine yeah um uh, i wasn't really going out much I guess I just sort of stayed at home a lot and that is purely because, you know, there'd be times where my friends would be putting in the group chat, you know, we're going to go to the pub for a few drinks. Do you want to come? I nah, don't have any money. Sorry. I haven't got the money. Yeah. So a, a lot of it was staying in. Um, Your friendships were sort of starting to be negatively yeah. affected and yeah. you were socializing a lot less. Yeah. And I think that could probably be a sole reason that you were starting to deteriorate and get to a worse place because... I think the power of connection, especially throughout our whole sort of life, is so important and so underestimated, just the positive impact it can have. And like you said, the problem shared is a problem solved or even halved. And even by you going out that night with your mates, it would have just gave you that escapism just for a few hours. So then that would yeah. alleviate you, that pressure in your head and that actual pressure on your shoulders mm -hmm. just wouldn't have been near as bad. Yeah. So all this stuff started to mount up started yeah. to weigh, weigh you down i can imagine yes did you like ever see oh is this is this ever going to get better did you ever see a sort of a tunnel at the end no I, I to be honest it felt like it was going more and more downhill um it felt like you know there wasn't there wasn't a light at the end of the tunnel um and yeah it got pretty dark um and as well you're dealing with it on your own as well so yeah you, you have nowhere to turn yeah and I think my my personality is I've always been good with stress so you know I've worked in customer service jobs all my life and you know when I get someone shouting at me then I'm very good at sort of staying calm and collective soaking it all in you know and I never show that I'm stressed I never sort of run around in a flurry looking all panicked um, so yeah, I've always dealt with, dealt with stress well. So to anyone else, you could just be, you know, yeah, sitting at home, yeah, happy with a chill life. Exactly. You know, this man is cool. He's got his life together. He's got his girlfriend. He's got his flat. Yeah. Life is okay. Yeah. No one would have known. Mm -hmm. No triggers. Yeah. No nothing. No one would have seen any of it. No. 
no one had seen any of it at all. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, see, this is a thing with mental health. You can't see it. Yeah. And people can hide it. And that's yeah. talking from experience. People go, are you okay? And I'll be like dying inside, like so struggling so badly. I'll be like, yeah, man, life is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And they just, they don't see it. Yeah. And this conversations or these conversations that we're having, breaking these stigmas and actually going and saying to people like, it's actually okay. You don't have to be a warrior today. Yeah. You can have a down moment. Like it's fine. Chill. Because if you have these down moments that will actually help you put your armor back on and be that strong character again in that stress-free guy. Yeah. Be absolutely. that cool, calm and collected guy. Yeah. And they, they say that the, the happiest person in the room quite often can be the person that is going through the most. They say that, if you've sort of got depression or you're feeling down, then as a sort of coping mechanism, you try and be the funny guy in the room, the energetic guy in the room, because you want to make people laugh because you don't want them to experience what you're going through. It's almost that escapism for that yeah. person. And also yeah. it's making someone else feel better. And it's also a distraction as well to yeah. try and distract people to say that, oh, I've actually got my shit together. Yeah, Life yeah. is good. I'm, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a prankster. No, no one will suspect that I'm in this bad way if I make them laugh and be all happy. No one will expect it. And that, that's, I guess, the attitude that I had a little bit. I'd always sort of try and be the funny guy, cracking jokes, um, you know. So I think that's why sort of it was a shock to a lot of people. I've seen um, um, Norwich City posted a video on Instagram. I don't know if you've seen it a couple of months yeah, ago. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Such a powerful video yeah. that I was literally sat here watching it and I was in floods of tears after. Yeah. The one guy was like, raring jumping shouting his mate was just sat there every single game going yeah i'm all right yeah life's good and yeah sort of like you'd think he's depressed just looking at him and his mates the the bubbly one and then one day the depressed looking guy turns up with just a i think it's a scarf yeah and it's actually the the bubbly jumping guy had gone and committed suicide yeah and that was you a just hard-hitting video yeah, yeah. I, could, I could imagine actually mm. and I watched that and I mean, it left me in tears. So I'd hate yeah. to imagine sort of how you felt towards that. Cause yeah. it's that shock. You just like, the hell? How? How's yeah. that happened? He was jumping up two seconds ago and supporting Norwich. Yeah. yeah. And to see that sort of depressed guys, what, what you thought was sat there. Abs oh yeah. I was just like, I was not expecting that at all. Yeah. Which is why I think it's so important to check on all of your friends like regularly, you know, cause you might, you might want to just check on the, the people that, you know, you think they're feeling a bit down, they're not talking much, but really, you know, you, you should check on everyone because you don't know what someone's going through behind closed doors. And sometimes even just uh, hello mate, how you doing? Thinking about you. I like, hope you're well. It's it's also like, that are you okay? And they'll go, Yeah. Yeah. And then you you have yeah. to push back a little bit. Yeah, you you do. Like, are you really okay? Yeah. And what's funny, I say funny, you said checking on your mates, and I don't know about you, and I'm sure everyone listening one person would have popped into the head of who they need to check in on. Yeah. And right after this, I challenge everyone listening to this. I'm going to do the same. I'm going to text that mate. And <laughs> I just hope he doesn't listen to the podcast and know what time I'm recording this because he's <laughs> going to know that I'm, I'm thinking about them. Um, but yeah, I challenge everyone on this now off the back of this to just check in on the mate and actually push them and challenge them a little bit to actually find out if they're doing okay and not just doing Absolutely. A, are you good so anyways yeah. we touched on the norwich city yeah the suicidal part mm -hmm. and the hard hitting bit yeah do you want to delve more into that sort yeah, of absolutely. deep end and so as the financial pressure hit and then that was at the same time when i got the job as a service advisor at the garage and i was there for about a week and a half and um, to sort of give you some sort of a little description of sort of my job role and what I had to do. So when a customer would come, they'll drop off their car. I'd then have to get into their car, drive it around to the back of the store where the garage was, 
park it up, leave it there, go back to my desk, wait until the next person came in. You know, obviously there was more stuff I had to do in between that. Quite repetitive um, though. Yeah. Um, but it was all of a sudden, it was just one day. I, I think it was a Tuesday or a Wednesday. It was on the 16th of November. And um, I remember every single time I got in someone's car, I would just burst into tears and I'll just be crying uncontrollably. You couldn't hide it no more. Yeah. And I just, I didn't know what it was. Like, like it was strange to me. I, I didn't know how to feel. I didn't know how to process what was happening. But every single time I just burst into tears and, you know, I'd park the car around the back and then I'd have to sort of compose myself and get out of the car and, you know, wipe away my tears and go back into the office and just pretend nothing was happening. Did anyone clock that you had been crying in the car? Did no. anyone, not a single person? As far as I'm aware, no one clocked. Um, and yeah, that happened every single time I went out. Um, so clearly you're getting to a point where you're like, something's not right here, but you couldn't put your finger on it. Yeah. Yeah. But in my head and what I was saying out loud as well, when I was in the cars was, I can't do this anymore. What sort of led you to say that? Just the pressure of everything. It got too much. Yeah. And you didn't see any way out. I I feel like... I was a sponge with the pressure from financial, from overthinking, from comparing, um, from absolutely everything that sort of led to that moment. I feel like I was one big sponge and every time I compared myself, every time I thought about the financial pressure, every single time I, I guess I was sort of soaking in a bit more water. And of course, there's only so much water a sponge can take before I just can't take any water anymore. And then it's really heavy. And then it's heavy and then it starts leaking. And then, you know, it's an amazing analogy that. Yeah, it's a real Um, amazing analogy. So uh, that's what happened to me. And I think uh, a big part of it was getting this service advisor job. Um, It was good money. You get good commission as well. So I was like thinking to myself, I can pay off all my debt in six months working here. I could be debt free. But then I started to realize not really a fan of this job. It was long hours. It was six day weeks. Um, so that paying off the debt dream was yeah. diminishing and going and you're like, and I think that realization that that was diminishing paying off the debt. I think that was the tipping point. Do you think that's a day where it actually set in where you were like, yeah. shit, I'm yeah. actually in trouble here. Do you yeah. think you're in den- denial before that? Uh, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. had no idea just the amount of deep water that you're actually yeah. staying alive in. Yeah. So the pressure got too much. And then do you want to lead on to sort of your yeah. so, worst day, should I say? Yeah. So so that day was the worst day when I started crying in the car. Um, so, you know, I cried, must have been 20 times that day, just thinking to myself, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. Um, I went back to the flat where me and Sophie lived. Um, with Sophie's job, she works a lot, so she was still at work. Um, it was also on a night where she had cheerleading as well. Um, so yeah, I sort of knew she wouldn't be home. So you had some sort of time to yourself. Yeah. Not going to be inter- interrupted by any point. Yeah, exactly. And also um, you, you don't have anyone there. It was just you in your own head. Yeah, exactly. Which I, th- I feel like is, you know, bad in itself when I was in that point. Um, sort of, I should have reached out to someone. I should have messaged someone. Um, but as I said before at the time, you're just not in that mental mindset to do that. It's easier said than done though. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure you're not the only person that's been in this situation yeah. or may, might even be in it now. 
Yeah. So yeah. you're very lucky, really, if you do actually reach out to someone, which is why it's so important to actually push your mates and check in on them. Yeah, 100%. Probably more regularly than you could ever imagine. Yeah. Because looking at you on the outside world, you're this happy-go-lucky guy that's really quite strong and yeah. quite confident. Life's yeah. all good, really cool, really chill. And actually, you're trying to swim in deep waters. Yeah. So you got back yeah. to the flat? Got back to the flat. I was in my own thoughts. I got into bed. Um, that was something that I used to do quite a lot back then. So get back home from work and then I'll just sleep for about three or four hours. No energy. Just because, just... yeah. And also days go quicker when you're feeling in that way where you're living paycheck to paycheck and you need money to pay off debt or, you know, you just need money in general. You're clearly just yeah, you're surviving fine. and if floating. You, if you sleep in the afternoon, the day will go quicker and then you'll sooner get to the end of the month. Rinse that, and repeat, was, paycheck know, comes, yeah, yeah, pay off the debt and yeah. continues. Yeah. So you got back um, to the flat. Got back to the flat. I was in my own thoughts and um, then I decided to take a trip to the co-op um, and I bought two packets of paracetamol um, and knowing that I had a lot more at home. Um, and yeah, I just sat on the bed and I think I had, I think it was two box, two boxes of anodine extra, which is sort of caffeine and paracetamol. Yeah. And then three boxes of just normal paracetamol. That's a lot um, to take yeah. in. And I just, I just went to town. I just started popping them, putting them in my mouth, swallowing them. Um, and it got to the point where it was about, I can't really remember how many I must have taken, but I think it was between 60 or 70 tablets. Um, so, you know, it was a fair, fair bit. Um, Way more than recommended. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, that I think then all of a sudden it was almost like a light bulb, just like a, a switch just flipped. Um, I suddenly realized I don't want to die. What am I doing? I don't want to die. So this was done on impulse. Yeah. So and this, this suicidal moment yeah. where you did try to commit. Yeah. was just a, it was done on impulse. I had a really bad day that, you know, as it was a result from just the build up of pressure and just feeling down for so many years. What, what did you, did you have a thought beforehand? Did you imagine what it would be like? if you did commit suicide? I did. Um, and, you know, it's incredibly sort of selfish to think the way that I did at the time, but I just thought I'll be dead. So, you know. What did you imagine would happen to your loved ones around you after you would commit suicide? Did you have that thought? At the time, no. Okay. Um, yeah, at the time... The only thing I had in mind was, I just can't do it anymore. Just so you want... just had that impulse moment and yeah. that was that. And you yeah. talk about the selfishness in the sort of decision you made. And it's a question I want to do, I want to ask actually, and it's, it's a very controversial opinion, but I want to know your thoughts on, do you think suicide is a selfish act? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, 100%. I wholeheartedly agree with you there. Mm -hmm. And it might sound horrible for us to say that, yeah. However, when you put it in perspective of the pain and torment that the others that are left behind after you go, yeah, I think it's like ten, seven to ten people around you, yeah, or around the person who's committed suicide are effective, 
negatively. Yeah. Seven to ten people per every person. Yeah. And it still gets me to this day when I think about what if I had gone ahead and done it and I didn't have that realisation after taking 70 tablets. Um, what if Sophie got home from cheerleading that night and just found me dead on her bed? I don't think you come back from those things. No. It's no. a lot to find. And, oh, well, yeah. I've never been in that position, thankfully, yeah. luckily. But I could imagine that's something you wouldn't come back from. So you took yeah. all these tablets. You mm-hmm. had that, oh, shit moment, that yeah. regret straight away. Yeah, the realisation. And then that's when I phoned um, the ambulance. So I phoned 999. I spoke to an operator. I was I was a blubbering mess. Like, I don't think they could barely understand me. I was crying so much and trying to catch my breath and words weren't coming out. I was just in a state of shock. Um, called the ambulance, um, explained what happened. And then they said, um, okay, an ambulance should be with you in the next three hours. Three hours, wow. Yeah. And at the time, two things went through my head when they said that. One was maybe the amount that I'd said I'd taken. They knew that it wasn't fatal, so it wasn't an emergency, so they didn't need to rush to get me. Yeah. But then another part of me was thinking, well, actually, I know how sort of stressed and busy the NHS are and they might only have a certain amount of ambulances dealing with people that are, you know, in car crashes or, you know, anything that maybe maybe it is happen. fatal but you're lower down yeah, the list exactly. of priorities. Yeah, exactly. So Mind yeah. going to overdrive during this point? Yeah, absolutely. And that's when I called Sophie. Um how did she react during this moment? From what I remember, because I say that I, I only ask this because you might not remember, yeah, because it's such a traumatic time, yeah. From what I remember, Sophie was almost she sounded almost quite angry over the phone, so it wasn't sympathetic, it wasn't you know, sort of caring, it was angry. And to do you reckon honest, it's almost that guilt, or is that that is it that? she's so angry at you or is it do you reckon that's a bit of guilt of she should have recognized this beforehand what do you reckon that sort I, of anger I think it was more just confusion okay because she knew i was going through a sort of you know a bit of a tough time but she didn't know it was that bad so i think it was more confusion and shock um that sort of led her to that um i mean it's understandable because it's a lot to take on yeah. within just a yeah hello you know i think she, yeah it was it was her just processing what had happened um and you know she was on her way to cheer at the time i think she just got to cheer and um you know she then drove to the flat um and yeah she she then took me to hospital um so i called back up 999 and cancelled the ambulance request um she took me to hospital um as i was in the car on the way to the hospital um, I actually got a call from um, one of my friends. I'm going to shout him out, Charlie Nichols. Um, he was the guy who worked at the car garage. Um, and I think he was just asking me something about something about work, maybe. can't remember what he said. And I just basically replied, I can't, mate. It's like, why? What's up? And he's like, oh, nothing, mate. Don't worry about it. And then he called me. And then I sort of picked up and I was like, like hello. Um, and then it's like, what's up? What's happening? Are you okay? He knows. And then he knew something was up. And I was like, at the time, I was still crying and sort of, it's like, it's like, is there something like, you know, do you want to sort of talk, mate? And I was like, yeah, I'm on my way to hospital right now. Um, this must have been, I think it was about eight o'clock. 
okay. that night. Um, and he was like, he was like, I think instantly he sort of knew maybe something's not right. Something wasn't right. Yeah. Um, and then he, he, you know, I think he was just chilling at home in his underwear. And <laughs> he he got dressed, got, got his shoes on, drove to the hospital. That that um, is a proper friend. Yeah, that's why I wanted to chat him out because he was so supportive um, throughout the whole ordeal. Um, him and Nick, uh, my other friend Nick Partridge. So you know them them two were so supportive. Not to say that my other friends weren't supportive. Um, However, they're. I talk about and I've spoken about in previous episodes about the importance of presence. Yeah, yeah. Having those people literally with you in your worst time and yeah. them just not having to say anything or yeah. do anything. Yeah. But yeah. just by being there. Yeah. It makes you feel higher. Yeah. Makes you feel stronger. Makes you feel like if I fall, these guys are going to pick me back up. Yeah. No matter how many times I fall down, I'm supported. Yeah. And I think that goes understated of just how important that is. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so yeah, got to, got to the hospital. Um, they took my blood, they did some checks. Um, at this point I was starting to get like quite bad stomach cramps. Like I was feeling like really poorly. Could imagine your body was yeah. like trying to flush it out and reject everything. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I think I stayed in the hospital. I think we ended up leaving. I think it was about maybe half two, three in the morning. So from 8 p.m. until about half two, three in the morning, um, they got the test results back um, and they said that I had very high levels of paracetamol um, in my blood, um, but it wasn't anything that was life-threatening. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I never knew how many you know tablets you actually had to take to kill yourself. Massive um, relief, I could imagine, for you, though, yeah. when they say it's not life-threatening. But it's still the fact that you tried and attempted yeah yeah and again i just want to touch on the impulse of the decision yeah, yeah. I, I don't know the statistic and i will look it up after this but i imagine a lot of suicides are done off of impulse and i imagine a lot of people yeah. like yourself felt regret straight away yeah during this moment yeah and i just want people to realize that and i say this all the time as well just in general life like don't always act on emotion mm-hmm Wait for the emotions to go. Yeah. Then you can make your decision and act. <laughs> Saying, obviously, please don't commit suicide for Christ's sake. Um, yeah. But you're trying to get the point I'm trying to say there yeah. is yeah, yeah. wait for your emotions to flush out and stop first. Then actually go, okay, is this emotion real or is it just an impulse feeling? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, thankfully, news was not N- fatal. Yeah, new, news was that I'll be okay. Um, Sophie so, knew, you, your friends knew. Yeah, I think Charlie ended up going home at probably about one o'clock in the morning just because he had to go to work the next day. Um, so I think he had a pregnant fiance at home as well. So, you know, also knew you're in good hands and yeah, you've got people around hands, you. Like, Sophie's there. Exactly. So, road to recovery after. Was this a moment where you were like, I need to get my shit together now? Was this a yeah. road to recovery? Yeah. So, when I was in the hospital, um, before leaving, then I had a visit from the sort of mental health team um, where a guy just came in and sort of asked a few questions um, and, you know, sort of gave him the answers, sort of what it led up to, everything that we've spoken about today. With, Were you open and honest, just as you have been now? For what I remember, yes. However, Sophie told me afterwards that there were some things that I left out during that chat. Um, at the hospital kind of expected though yeah because this is the first time you're trying to be open yeah and it's not all gonna just I didn't know come how to flat. articulate my words I didn't know yeah. how, what to say I didn't know how to 
not only that, you just come off the back of your worst moment, your worst day. Yeah. And um, yeah. I don't know what 60 or 70 paracetamol would have done to you, how you're feeling and your reactions and how yeah. you actually are present. Yeah. But I imagine it would have had quite an impact. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, so yeah, you had this sort of report done. Yeah, I had this report done. They referred me to um, sort of see a doctor, um, sort of go to my sort of walking clinic and speak to someone. Um, so yeah, so I was sort of waiting for that. Um, went back to the flat. Um, and then I was at the flat for about two days and that was when we got a knock at the door and it was Sophie's mum and basically Sophie had broken down to her mum and sort of told, told her what happened. Um, and so her mum came in and basically we had a conversation and her mum was like, I think it's best if you move out, um, just because your mental health is affecting Sophie's mental health, my daughter's mental health. End of the day, you have to be selfish in this world. Yeah. You have to take care of priority one yourself. Yeah. And yeah. in relationships, like you said earlier, you need to be your best version of yourself yeah. before you can go and be the best version for, for them. Yeah. Like the number one priority should always be yourself, yeah. not your partner. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so, yeah, that happened. Um, there was no kickback from me. I accepted it. Of course, I was crying. I was upset. I was devastated. Of course, understandably, you know, you've been with Sophie a long time. You've been yeah. together in a flat for a long time. Yeah, we lived together for, I think it's about a year and a half, two years. So, um, but so, end yeah. of the day, you sat with your actions and there's consequences and yeah. rightfully so you, and good on you for doing it, to be honest. It's yeah. a courageous act to go, yeah, do you know what? I did, I did mess up here. Yeah. And I think one thing that I regret as well to this day was that my parents didn't find out on the day that it happened. My parents found out two days later when I moved back in. So when Sophie's mum came round, she said, I think you should move out. I said, okay, you know, my, my mental health I knew was affecting her mental health. Sophie didn't know how to feel, think, react. I was bringing her down. I didn't want that. So moved out and I had to call my parents. I called my mum and I just said, mum, is it okay if I come live with you again? And then she said, what's wrong? Like, are you and Sophie okay? And I was like, yeah, we're okay. And then just start crying. And then she was like, what's wrong, Tom? And I basically just said on the phone, I tried to kill myself. Um, Mums know everything, don't they? Yeah. They just know their sons, yeah. daughters. Yeah. My yeah. mum knows. I couldn't lie to my mum. I yeah. couldn't ever yeah. do it. I yeah. tried to cover up so much stuff and so many feelings at times, but God, yeah. they just have this ability. They just know. Yeah. It's just so yeah. frustrating it's, it's and annoying. It's a power. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I then went back home, um, and you know, I remember my mum and dad just both hugging me and, you know, they were, I guess they were in a state of confusion, but they were also so supportive as well. And, you know, they sort of asked why, and that's when I sort of came clean to them about the gambling addiction and sort of comparing myself to fr um, friends and sort of just anyone in general. Um, so yeah, that happened. I then, you know, I'm, I'm still living with my parents to this day. Um, it's, you know, sort of me and Sophie are still together and my mental health is good. Her mental health is good, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it's ready to move in together. Um, it's going to take a lot for you to yeah. be in that place again and it will take time to heal and process. Yeah. And 
the good thing is you're in a better place now yeah. and Sophie's in a better place and who's to say living together has to be the be all and end all of a relationship. Exactly. And there's no, there should be no pressure or rush of time of you to be in a place together. Yeah, exactly. As we're as we're happy. We, we see each other regularly. I go around on the weekends. I, you know, I went around Tuesday, just gone, you know, we cooked dinner, we chilled, watched a film. So we, I, we still spend time with one another. And I feel like, you know, when, when we get to a point where we can sort of look for a house together, that's probably when we'll move in to sort of with each other again. But and no doubt knowing you and knowing Sophie that they will come. Yeah. Because of yeah. what you've been through together. Yeah. And the fact you're still together through yeah. all of this and knowing the, the characters that you both are. Yeah. I think you are definitely doing everything right in the way you're doing it. You're not trying to rush to yeah. keep up with your mates. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And Good you know, on you. I said, I said to her mum as well that the day that we move in together... I want to ask you if it's okay. A bit like when you're sort of asking for permission for marriage. I said, I, w I want to ask you if you're happy with me moving in with Sophie. And even if Sophie's okay and happy with it, if she's not, won't happen. Mate, I've got so much respect for you, man. It's got to be, you know, you've you've got to have respect for the parents of, you know, the girl that you're seeing. Yeah. Like, because... You know, Say a little princess. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Don't want to piss so, them off. How would yeah. you feel about life now? Um, yeah, r really good as of right now. Um, you know, it, it feels like everything's just clicking. Um, the way that I address situations in my mind, um, the, the way that I, I guess just carry myself, the, the, the outlook that I take now. Um, yeah, you, you, you can go through your, your darkest day. You can, you can be at rock bottom but I promise that it gets better. I promise it gets better. Gives you perspective on life, doesn't it? Yeah. And yeah. here's a question for you. Mm -hmm. There's probably an obvious answer of yes, you would. Yeah. Would you change that happening? I don't think I would. No? No. Why is that? It's made me who I am today. I think feel like some of the things I've learned about myself and sort of self-developed and sort of looked into wouldn't be around. Um, of course, I still sometimes feel like people look at me like friends. They might sort of tiptoe around me a little bit, careful of what they say because they don't want to upset me because I've tried to commit suicide. Do you find people do that with you then? I don't feel like they do, but I feel like I think that they're potentially you know, might be to... the overthinking side a little bit, yeah. which is, it's understandable. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no matter what journey you've been on, I feel the same at times ago. Some people want to tiptoe around me because of all the shit I've been through. And it's just like, just be yeah. yourself. Yeah. And it's just trying to get that understanding to people that go, just be you. I'm yeah. not going to change what I've been through. I've been through. And it's just part of my story. Yeah. And the more you lean into it and the more of going, yeah, I went through this. Yeah. This is my story. The more life gets better. Yeah. And the more you lean into it, that everything happens for a reason, motto comes in and mm -hmm. things start to click, don't they? Yeah. Um, what sort of advice would you give someone that's struggling? And I think it's pretty evident having the conversation we just had mm -hmm. of, well, yeah, what would your advice be before I, I talk? So, yeah, my advice would be speak to somebody. That is the first and foremost, you know, if, if you can't do anything else, try and speak to somebody. Um, it doesn't have to be a therapist. It doesn't have to be your parents. It doesn't even have to be someone you know. 
you know there's that you can call up is it samaritans yes yeah, so um, i was going to touch on where people can go i will share this yeah. on instagram um and i will put it in the uh, description pages of all the audio platforms but samaritans you're calm which is yeah. campaigning it's living miserably yeah um gp yeah 111 will direct you as well yeah um shout there's a you can text sh the word shout to a certain number yeah um you've got sane line and i, I don't know why i put this in because i can't ever pronounce it properly but it's like papyrus or sort of papyrus i just feel like i'm stuttering all over the place when i say it but i think it's one for like younger people yeah um speak to someone yeah it it helps so much um like i said like when you're in this sort of tunnel vision attitude with whatever you might be going through then it's very hard for you to think from an outside perspective it's very hard for you to think things will get better but all it takes sometimes is just talking to someone sharing the problem and you know, not not necessarily. It's gonna, it's gonna then instantly fix a problem, and you're gonna feel ten times better, and you'll be fine. It won't do that, but what it will do is definitely put you on the right path of, okay, I can speak about this. You know, there's there's a direction now that I can head in, um, and it, it definitely sets you on the right path of you know sort of trying to get to a better place. Massively, just have conversations, and this is why I wanted to get you on today to break this stigma. Mm -hmm. and to tell people that it's okay to struggle it's okay to go yeah. through these things yeah we're here to help and you might feel like today is your worst day we've been through our worst day yeah. we know what it feels like okay we might not be in the same situation as you yeah. we might not fully understand you but we can appreciate just what it feels like and just by having these conversations it will break these stigmas allow people to talk yeah and i can't thank you enough for everything you've just shared mm -hmm. and i, I know it's not just, I imagine, I know this is going to help. Yeah. I know there's people out there that are in a position of they're struggling, they feel like they're drowning. Yeah. This is going to alleviate a little bit of pressure and yeah. I hope they're going to go and get some help and speak to someone. Yeah, absolutely. And there can be there can be so many different reasons why someone might be going through depression or, you know, going through it mentally. You know, it can be from losing a parent to sort of what I went through um, with sort of, you know, overthinking, comparing and then gambling problems. But it could also be something like work anxiety. So a lot of people, sometimes they get a good job, they get paid a lot of money, you know, they sort of buy a nice car, get a house, and then they realize two years down the line that they don't like their job. Um, but now you've got, you know, all these bills to pay and you, you now need a job that's going to, you know, enable you to pay those bills. And, you know, it's happened before. It's happened to friends that I know where they then, you know, become depressed. What I'm trying to say is there's, there's so many different reasons. It's like an umbrella. So it isn't just one reason why someone might feel down. There's so many different reasons. And no matter what reason you might be feeling, speaking to somebody will help. It just takes takes the edge off. Yeah. Takes that pain and that hit. Just numbs it a little bit, doesn't it? Exactly. Like you don't have to have the attitude of, well, I'm not going to speak to someone because I haven't had a parent that's died. So, you know, it, I feel like I'll be wasting someone's time because you're not wasting someone's time. You know, it, they're there for a reason. They're there to speak to and for you to help them or for you to get helped by them. So talk talking about Sophie... Yeah. And your relationship. I was going to ask what she did for you for your worst time, but we've covered that. What does she mean to you? 
she means the world. Um, I've never met somebody, I've never been with somebody who makes me feel so excited now for the future, which might be a weird thing to say because there was a point in the relationship where I didn't see a future at all. Um, but I guess maybe in some ways being with her was maybe one thing that kept me going maybe a bit longer than what might have you know been. If you could um, tell her one thing that you haven't told her, what would it be? I mean, I tell her every day, or maybe not every day. She'll she'll say I don't do that. But you know, <laughs> I've, calling I've, you out. <laughs> I've told her that I'm proud of her, um, immensely proud of her in you know everything that she's achieved with her job. I feel like at some point in the relationship, you know, I've said I want her to be the mother of my child. I want to marry her. I want to grow old with her. I'm proud of her. Struggling to think of maybe what I haven't said yet. And that's not me being, you know, I've said everything. Um, but It's probably a good thing though. Yeah. It just means that you are eternally grateful for her and you yeah. continue to tell her what she means to you on a day-to-day -day basis or every other day basis. And I think it's such an important self-reflection because especially as long relationships go on, these things stop being said. Yeah. And I think that's what really sort of kills relationships and kills that excitement, that buzz, because you stop telling each other that you're proud of each other and how much they mean to you. Yeah. If you could go back to your younger self, what advice would you give your younger self about relationships? About relationships? Um, it's okay for a relationship to not work out. Um, I feel like I'm a very emotional person, very emotional. So when I split up with my ex-girlfriend, I was in a really bad place um, for about four weeks where I didn't eat. I think I lost about four stone. Um, it's a lot of weight in such a short time yeah yeah I just didn't eat at all didn't have an appetite to um, I feel like you know I put my my heart and soul into one person and then when it ended then yeah uh, it was a bad way so I think I'd tell my younger self you know relationships aren't always going to work out but one day you're going to find you know the right person for you and that right person for me is Sophie so Everything happens for a reason, my friend. Exactly. And exactly. now your next, oh, first question actually I asked before I go on to the next sort of topic. Yeah. Would you say you're a strong character? Would you say you're a strong person? I'd say situational. So okay. I can be and I can't be. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, when I'm around all my friends, you know, I'm sort of a talkative one, loud one, making the jokes. Um, but then I've got other groups of friends where maybe I'll be the quiet one just sit back and chill and be a bit more mellow i don't really know why i do it um i think that's a a good thing to be though yeah and a good way to be you know yeah. when you need to be strong yeah but like you say you've got that emotional side you yeah. know when to be vulnerable yeah absolutely i feel like i'm very um opinionated so i sort of i know what i think i know and i'm sort of you know a bit cocksure i guess that you know um i know that i'm a good person I know that I have good morals. That's all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah. No one needs to tell you otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Going on to your next sort of adventure. Yeah. Why I wanted to get you on as well. Yeah. Ultra running. Yes. Funny enough, there is a link between trauma and ultra running. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> not is. just a coincidence, but yeah. um, talk to me about that. How did you get into that? So I've always sort of ran from the age of, I guess, 16, 17, I got into running. And um, I never really did it seriously. I just sort of, 
you know, went out. There was a sort of a, a route sort of from my house, a big loop background back to my house, which was 5K bang on. And I was like, well, this is perfect. So yeah. I just used to run that every single day. Um, and I got to the point where I was pretty quick. So my, my sort of best that I've done is a sub 10 minute, two mile. Wow. Which was That's rapid. rapid but yeah. that was back at my peak of, you know, I can't, I couldn't do that. Cause now. you, you texted me a while ago, I put something on Instagram, didn't mm-hmm. you? And you're like, we're going to run, I can't remember what minute yeah. you said, like five fifty minute yeah, mile. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Jesus Christ. One day we'll do that. Yeah. We One will day. do that. Yeah. I did a um, sub five minute mile for only a quarter of a mile the other day. And yeah. I was nearly not very well. Yeah. So that yeah. five fifty is going to be, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm down for it. It, it, was, it was tough, but that was back at uh, my sort of my peak of fitness. I was probably about 21, 22 then. Um, dropped off a little bit just because uni happened, you know, drinking happened, being young and living my life happened. And, you know, so I stopped running so much. And I think it was probably about six years ago. So I would have been 22, 23. I signed up for the Salisbury Half Marathon, um, ran that. Um, I did it in, I think it was about two hours I did it in. So that was sort of coming off a sort of stage where I'd been really good at running. I took about a year of no running and then I decided I'm going to do a half marathon. That's pretty good going considering you hadn't done it for a while. Yeah. yeah. Sub two hours is a very respectable time. I think I, um, I trained for about maybe three or four weeks prior to the half marathon, but that was pretty much all I did. Um, so yeah. And then a year later, I then did another half marathon. Um, I think I did it that time in about an hour 45. Um, then the third year I did it, um, I did it, um, but I did it in two hours and a half. And the reason for that was because I had a really bad ingrown toenail. Oh, nice. So it was, it was really bad. I definitely should not have run that half marathon. You Um, knew on the day you were like, this is going to be a horrible one. I was in agony for months leading up to it. I didn't really do anything to sort it out because it sort of, it came in, it it went. So it would feel really sore and bad one, one week and then the next week would be fine. So you took a gamble and hopefully it will pay off, but it didn't. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So, um, yeah, I ended up still running it though. Um, but of course it was a lot slower just because every single step really, really hurt. Um, it's a long way to go with a pain like that. Yeah, it really is. Um, but yeah, still happy that I completed it. Um, and then I I took a sort of a bit of a break from, from running sort of those distances. I guess it's because, um, the Salisbury half marathon stopped, um, for a little while. Um, I think it was two or three years in a row that they just didn't host the event. I don't know if the organization sort of went under or they just couldn't get the funding. Um, but yeah, it, it didn't happen for a while. Um, it's important to have events and goals in mind to yeah. keep you on track. Cause if yeah. you don't have that, it can certainly steer yeah. you wide. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Salisbury half marathon is one of the flattest half marathons in the UK. I did not um, know that, which but means I, which that I did. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's great. It's one of the best sort of routes that you can do if you want to go for a personal best. Just I mean, there's no elevation. I'm going yeah. to Brighton next month, yeah. which I think is a little bit hilly. Yeah. And I'm going for an hour and a half. Yeah. So now you said that, I'm yeah. like, ha, <laughs> idiot, it's on your doorstep. <laughs> yeah. No, you'll be fine. I know. I know you'll be fine. It's just going to find um, a pacer and hold on for dear life and yeah. pray. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Um, and then, yeah, I didn't do really any um, sort of running event wise i sort of ran here and there just sort of in my free time but i didn't do any sort of events and such until july just gone um so last year in july i did the race to the stones um what distance is that so it's 100 kilometers okay. um 
Now, I only did 50 kilometers, um, yeah. but that was due to an injury. Because I remember um, you putting this on your story as well. Yeah. And I was like, I thought back then, I was like, this man is nuts. Yeah, I was like, yeah. fuck ever doing that. <laughs> and yeah, here we are. Yeah. So yeah, like he's got an injury during it. Yeah. So um, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know Racer Stones, you start in a place called Lecknor in Oxfordshire. I've probably yeah. butchered that name really badly. <laughs> um, and then you end up in Avesbury. Um, Avesbury have their own sort of stones hence why it's called race to the stones yeah because the first thing i thought was stonehenge yeah yeah a lot, a lot of people do yeah um but yeah avebury is um sort of swindon area north swindon so you're sort of north wiltshire so from oxfordshire to north wiltshire yeah 100 kilometers and yeah um obviously i think it was on the 8th of july so it was a couple of days before my birthday um and you know it was it was all going well um training went really well i got to the event i felt ready i felt fit i felt you know let's get this so there's um, nothing more you could have done in prep yeah nothing more i could have done in prep um and you know I, I don't know if you remember the summer we just had but it wasn't exactly the most summery of summers um there was a lot of cloud a lot of rain yeah. um and what had happened was my my event start time was seven thirty in the morning and just as we sort of set off and got going, it started tipping it down. It was like a freak shower. I yeah. bet you were like, this could be a long day. Yeah, <laughs> it rained for like, it rained heavily for about 20 minutes straight, just like nonstop, like really heavy, like heavy enough to like, you know, the, the ground was getting really sort of mashed up in front of me. There was um, start times from, I think, six in the morning. So, you know, there'd been 5,000 runners running through, you know, the same track that I was running on you know turfing up all the muds it was becoming basically like a slip slide like a mud bath um that's when you know it's going to be an even longer day yeah the, the, under your foot is just yeah, horrible yeah absolutely it's not nice. and um with ultra marathon running you don't tackle it the way you would with a marathon when you're sort of training um it's just tight time on feet isn't it yeah it's just literally just yeah. get the miles in get the time yeah. in that's all that matters exactly speeds are relevant yeah exactly and what a lot of people do is they walk uphill they run on an incline or and then they just sort of you know let them let their legs carry them down the hill so that's pretty much what you do so if you're on a flat surface you'll just run if you're going downhill just let your legs just follow themselves yeah and if you're going up a hill just walk because the energy that you expend doing that distance going up a hill is not worth you know the sort of distance that you'll cover yeah um, you make it up on the on the way yeah. down or on the yeah. flat when you so yeah, exactly and i mean unless you're an elite runner that does it as a full-time job and they've been running for 30 years those guys they run up the hills but you know if you're just an ultra marathon runner like me where you know you just want to do it and get a good decent time then, i mean like yeah. completing a marathon is like less than one percent of people yeah. so when yeah. you start talking ultras it's like yeah elite of the elite so yeah. if you're doing that like yeah crazy accomplishment yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, so on the day, I think I got to, it was around the 21 kilometer mark. So it was pretty much half marathon. Um, and I was running along a bank next to a river and there was really bad mud, like really bad mud. Um, and yeah, basically slipped, lost my footing, slipped and almost did the splits. Um, Which... I, I mean, Sophie can do it, but me and you, yeah, no yeah, chance. No chance <laughs> at all, no. I couldn't even warm up for an hour and do it. Um, and I basically pulled my groin. Um, so I, I felt like a twinge straight away. Groins are the um, worst injuries because yeah. they're not like a oh, broken leg, like yeah. stop now. But it's yeah. like, 
Don't continue because that is going to hurt yeah, for yeah. a long time. I think at the time it didn't hurt straight away, but it was probably about five kilometers in after that. You and hope it, it's going to get better. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah. this will probably go away. And like, it's just I could like. I feel it. It was delicate, but I thought, well, hopefully it'll just go away in a minute. It just gets worse. And, and then it got tighter worse. and tighter. And, you know, every single step was just in agony to the point where I couldn't even walk at some points. That's when um, you knew, like, that is enough is enough. Like, yeah. just, you have to, you're going to have to call it quits. Yeah, exactly. So I, I then, I mean, I didn't call it quits right away. Um, I, I decided to get to the halfway point, basically. So I wanted to do 50 kilometers. 50 kilometers is still considered an ultra marathon. Anything more than a marathon is an ultra Which marathon. Which is still a hell of an achievement yeah. and impressive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially going through so much pain for 25 kilometers of the race that's a long um, yeah long time yeah i was in agony it was it was horrible but you know i was i was wanting to sort of complete it um and it's funny because i haven't actually told anyone this but what i was going to do was get a tattoo saying a hundred reasons and that is because every kilometer that i ran so i obviously have my earphones in and, you know, I had sort of like one kilometer down, like, you know, pace yeah. and all that. So every single time the sort of the running sort of voice told me I'd run a kilometer, I basically thought of a reason why I'm happy to be here right now and oh, happy wow. to be alive. And the idea was that I wanted to then get 100 reasons tattooed on me once I completed the ultra as a sort of like reflect and look back on that thinking I've got 100 reasons why. I'm happy to be here right now, why I'm thankful to be alive and why I'm thankful that, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't successful, basically. What a perspective to have and what yeah. an outlook to have. And yeah. I think just that every day being grateful for one thing, let alone a hundred reasons. Yeah. Such a powerful motivator and such a powerful way to live. Yeah. I think you'll really live your best life and your fullest life if you, actually appreciate why you're here and yeah. the opportunities we get each and every day and that every day is a blessing yeah so that hundred reasons is Absolutely. that gonna be on the card it will be yeah so i've decided that i will be doing race to the stones again in july i think this year it's on the 11th of july my birthday is the 12th so um birthday yeah. weekend yeah, nothing exactly. better an ultra marathon the birthday yeah, weekend mine's exactly. the same this this year my birthday's yeah. on the 10th of june and uh, 50 miles on the uh, 8th yeah nothing there better you go. you're gonna be sore <laughs> yeah yeah sure <laughs> be worth it though yeah so yeah um, that 100 reasons is back on the cards yeah so definitely obviously i do want to get a tattoo saying 50 reasons it's, it's gonna have to be 100 it's gonna so be 100 yeah come, come july i'm gonna do that ultra i'm gonna complete it and then i'm gonna get that tattoo mate massive respect for that like that's one hell of a story because a lot of people get tattoos just because they like them. You know, some yeah. people do have a reason. But what a cool reason you will have a hundred reasons tatted on you. Yeah. Round two. Yeah. You're not done yet, are you? No, not at all. And I won't be done for a while. I'll be doing Iron Men. I'll be doing all sorts. This man is going to take over. Yeah. I see a lot of potential in you, my friend. Yeah. Especially from where you've come from and the mindset you have now. And like, we don't even speak every day. However, I'd still class you in sort of in my circle. Yeah. And you're yeah. definitely someone that... Now you're getting back into your ultra running and just actually getting to know you more tonight. Yeah. Because we've known each other for a, a couple of years now, probably, yeah. but we've yeah. never really been close as such. Mm -hmm. But listening to your perspective tonight, your mindset, definitely someone that I want to 
listen more to, mm-hmm. talk more to, and now you're getting into the ultra running again. Yeah. You're definitely someone I need around more because Absolutely. that circle is so important. And yeah, what an incredible person, man. I Thank really you. appreciate your time today. But before we go, I do have a few questions for you. Okay. I'm just going to be a quick fire questions. Yeah. What lesson have you learned from your lowest moment? And is there anything about it that you're grateful for? Lessons I've learned is that things will get better. It's like a pendulum. It's always swinging. There's always going to be, you know, you might be at your lowest, but you know, it's not going to stay like that forever. Um, So yeah. What are your hopes and dreams for the future? I guess just to remain happy. And I know that's such a sort of cliche thing to say because sometimes it's situational and you can't help it, but just remain happy, just keep bettering myself and, you know, keep a good support network around me. Um, You know, keep myself stuck in with, you know, work and my passion, my hobbies and my running. Nice. I love that answer. That's quality. Um, What advice would you give the younger generation and the rest of the world? If you could leave them one bit of advice, what would it be? Don't beat yourself up simple as that yeah there's so many people in the world that are in different situations and um, circumstances there's people that are born into wealth there's people that are not there's people that you know get money through sort of reality tv there's people that are not don't compare yourself to anybody because you are on your own journey you've got your own path pretend you're a hobbit leaving the shire you don't know where you're going but you're going to get somewhere and you're going to have a hell of a good time doing it what would you say your definition of an able lifestyle is? You're the first person I'm asking this to as well. Definition of an able lifestyle. Hmm. I guess say I can do it more. Yeah. Just say I can do it more. If you're thinking you want to get into exercise, but you're thinking, well, I can't run. Yeah, you can. Just do it. You, you can do it. I can do it. Anything in life? Just, Just anything in life. I oh, can do it. I, I don't think I can get that job. Yeah, I can. I can do it. You can do anything. Anyone can do anything if they set their mind to it. So chase after the goals that you want to do. Chase after, you know, that that new job. Chase after, you know, hitting your your personal best at the gym, going on a run. You know, even if you want to become an artist, you can do it. Pick up a brush, pick up a paint. You know, everyone starts somewhere. Just have the attitude. You can, you can do it. That is the most amazing way we're going to end this episode today. Tom, thank you ever so much for your time. Thank you for having me on.